Hello, everyone. Did you miss me? <laughs> I missed you all. Welcome to season two, episode one of To Say the Least. I am so glad you're here. It's a new year. It's a new season. So it's only appropriate that we have a new logo. Take a second to appreciate the new logo. I'm so excited about it. Shout out to Emma who made the logo. Love you, Emma. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to get season two started. I have had quite an interesting start to my year. Uh, some of you might know my birthday is in January and I have always thought that my 27th year of life would be the best year of my life. Couldn't tell you why. It has been a theory of mine since I was a kid. Best year of my life so far, at least. You know, we we do think every year has something amazing about it, and we're, it's a privilege to age. But I have been so excited about turning 27, and I partied the fuck out of my life. Like I literally had something planned almost every single day, and I started getting nervous that people were thinking, "Who is this egocentric girl?" who is constantly celebrating her birthday to the point where I love my birthday, but it got to the point that someone was wishing me happy birthday every single day. And I was like, I never wanted to hear the word birthday again. So by the time it rolls around next year, I think I'll be ready. But I'm saying all of this because I had so much social stimulation and I had to travel for work. I was on six flights just in January and I completely lost my voice by the end of January. Like I'm talking, couldn't even utter a word. And this has happened to me a few times before. I am prone to losing my voice, which is kind of funny considering how much I love talking. It's not exactly a surprise, but this was the first time that I completely lost it. And I have just been writing down so many ideas for the podcast during this time and waiting until my voice felt 100%. Um, it's still not 100%, but I've just been feeling so creative lately and I don't want to squander that energy. And once the logo is finalized, I was just like, you know what? I'm dusting off my microphone and I'm not even that wasn't even like a euphemism. I literally had a shit ton of dust on this bad boy and I dusted it off and I'm sitting here and I'm committing to myself. I've decided this is the year of no excuses. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm coining this year. And I hope that you can apply that to your own life with whatever you've been putting off or feeling like you want to get started. This is your reminder to get started. Considering it's been a little bit of time since the last episode, I do want to take some time to catch up a little bit. The last six months of my life have been insanity. Let's go back in time to the summer. My last episode was in summer of 2022. And while I was like trying to live it up as much as I could, around like April to end of July, I was living such a monotonous lifestyle. What I mean by that is I was, and I talked about this in the last episode, like my whole life was work. I was trying to get promoted and I was working like a hundred hours a week 
And my whole life was wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed. Like that was it. Like I was really lacking fulfillment and I was thinking at the time that fulfillment would come from my work. And we're going to, we're going to flash back and forth, but present day, we're in a crazy economy. My company, along with so many other tech companies have gone through layoffs. Thankfully, I wasn't affected by the layoffs, but I have so many friends and previous colleagues that were, and I felt this way when I was looking for a job a few years ago, which if you are a loyal podcast listener, when I started this podcast in 2021, I was looking for a job. And I felt this way then, but it just, with everything going on, it's even more prevalent now. Work will not love you back. People love you back, but your job especially if you work for like a really big company or just, you know, feel like a cog in a machine, like work won't love you back. Figure out what you can take from work that fi- that feels fulfilling. I'm not saying, you know, work won't love you back doesn't mean don't have goals. Don't seek what it is about your day that excites you. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means don't make it your whole life. Don't make sacrifices that are unnecessary. Just take a step back if you feel like you've been consumed by a job lately. And obviously, you know, this could vary depending on your field. Like if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, beginning of your career, first few years can be overwhelming. And that's kind of what you sign up for. But for a majority of folks listening, you know, we're unfortunately replaceable. And, um, you know, as special as we can think each of us are, and we are, you know, at the end of the day, none of that really matters. So just try to figure out what you can take from your job and apply it to your life, but try not to make it your whole life. So summer between April and July of last year, work was my life. And around this time, there were a few things going on in my personal life that were also compounding my stress levels and the stress levels of my family. I, um, without, without sharing too much information about someone that is not myself, I had a family member go through a, um, health scare that required them to have surgery. And I flew home to California to take care of them. And that whole period, um, ended up affecting, um, plans that we were going to have together over the rest of the summer. Um, Okay, I guess I can't get a I can't get away with not sharing who this is without connecting it to the rest of the story. Um, my mom had to have a surgery, and my mom and I had planned to take a big European vacation last summer uh, to go to Paris and London and Italy, and it was something that we had planned um, a few years prior. I joke that God doesn't want me to go to Italy because I have tried to plan this trip five times. Um, and every time something happens, but we'll get back 
we'll get back to that topic. But my mom had to have a surgery and I'm really glad that I got to be there to take care of her with my other family members. And, um, and she's okay now, thank God, which is great. Knock on wood. And then I came back to New York and went back to my life of monotony. And a friend of mine, Rebecca, shout out Rebecca, kept asking me if I would join her to go to Europe in August. And I kept saying no. Couldn't tell you why. It was just my default no. And I brought it up to my mom one day after a few weeks of Rebecca asking. And my mom said, Roya, why do you keep saying no? And sometimes you have to be explicitly asked a question to fully think about it yourself. Um, And I realized, I think I was saying no, because I always had this idea of going to Europe for the first time with my mom since it had been rescheduled so many times. I think I was holding on for that experience. And I have this fun little habit that I have identified within the past couple of years, or maybe longer, is that I have a habit of self-sabotaging a situation. This is a minor example, but it could be big because I was self-sabotaging myself of the potential of having a very rewarding experience of going to travel. And I couldn't even think of a reason of why I was saying no other than I had had this, this idea of the first time being with my mom. And if we've learned anything within these past few years is we can't keep living our lives with the same plans. We have to be willing to pivot if the right opportunity comes our way. And I think I personally have this self-sabotaging mindset in not in a, in a way of kind of giving myself the idea that I have a sense of control over a situation. Some of you may resonate with that, but in my mind, it was like I had to go with my mom. There was no other way. And I could have potentially been depriving myself of a, of a life-changing experience. But it took my mom to tell me to go where I realized I should take this opportunity to go. So I ended up saying yes, and I spent an entire month in Europe last summer, and it was such an invaluable experience. Like I, it'll, it'll always be with me, and I am so grateful for a pestering friend not giving up and asking me over and over again. And it was just like all the stars aligned and I ended up going and I spent majority of August and the beginning of September in um, London, different parts of France and Ibiza. And shocker, spending a month in Europe was one of the best things I've ever done. I am so grateful for the time that I had there and it was the right time to go. You know, I I joke that, you know, I've tried to plan a European vacation five separate times with five separate reasons to get canceled. But I think that was a culmination of getting me to where I ended up going with a friend and fully having an experience just for myself. I discovered so much about myself that I didn't know before. And I think that's an amazing thing that aging gives us. You know, not that I have lived a lot of life or anything, but every time I think I fully know who I am, something happens and it and it 
changes it up. Like it's, it's just such a rewarding part of growing up. I love constantly being able to learn about myself. And if you have the means to go be in a new place, even for a little while, I highly recommend that you do so because the change of, of environment can fully reframe your mind and, and give you an objective look on your own life and kind of make you discover new things about yourself. It, it's, it was amazing and I, I'll never forget it. And something that started not only just when I was in Europe, but something that was being reintroduced to my life was meeting a lot of new people in a short period of time. And it was a lot of fun. I did coin the whole, that whole season of like summer and the part right after as the time of 24 hour romances. I highly recommend one of those every once in a while. It's just a good way to romanticize your day-to-day life. And um, other than those 24 hour romances, I was meeting a lot of great people that I wanted to be friends with. And I, you know, I'm a very social person and I love meeting new people, but in regards to learning new things about yourself, I discovered something within the past six months that has been really interesting to unpack for myself because I've always prided myself in being quote unquote authentic. What I mean by that is I'm basically the same version of myself no matter where I am, at work, at a bar, at home. And I have a very short processing time over what comes out of my mouth based on what someone is telling me. And I think that is a lovely thing about myself, but also it can get me into trouble sometimes. So it's something I've been more aware of recently. You know, saying what you feel versus saying too much, or at the same time, holding back too much, but also realizing that holding back something you think could be the best thing for both people in that moment. It's it's a been a very interesting exercise for me because I um, am trying to understand what the best balance of it is with 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 meeting so many new people all the time. And we've talked about this before in previous episodes about how when you're meeting new people, they're processing parts of you at a time, and it can be easy to forget that they don't know everything about your personality right away. So whether you say a joke that doesn't land the way you wanted it to, or you are liking the person that you're with and in an attempt to bond, you just start over talking. That's something that happens to me a lot. And it's something that I used to fully accept about myself. But as I've gotten older, I've realized the power in, in, it's kind of like the dichotomy of being candid, but also, you know, taking a moment to think to yourself, what is this going to add if I say this next, you know? And this can be related to anybody new that you're meeting, whether it be a potential friend or someone that you're attracted to, that you're potentially interested in dating, whatever it may be. And I have been going through this a lot lately because I have been trying to be more intentional with my time, wanting to meet new people and, um, and kind of navigating this new, this new introspection, I guess you can call it. And I, because I don't want my fundamental personality to 
change with, you know, being more candid with my thoughts. But, but, but it has been really interesting to kind of see what feels, feels right. And I, this is kind of a lead up to, um, a specific person that I met recently that I, um, did find myself attracted to. And we spent some time together and they were somebody that I connected with fairly quickly and we had a lot in common and that kind of initial attraction doesn't happen to me very often and that initial well rather that initial connection mentally and like getting along really well and being on the same wavelength and having so much in common that does not happen to me very often and when I met this specific person, we can call them Scott. You know, I guarantee that's not their name, but I'll know why I'm calling them Scott. Um, when I met Scott, I was I was not really expecting to meet somebody that specific day. And it kind of took me by surprise. And I think that also, that element of surprise also made me just feel more relaxed about the whole situation. Um, but when you're feeling a little bit more relaxed, you might want to share a lot of things and it can it, it's something that i'm trying to you know even unpack like in the weeks since meeting them because when when i when you connect with someone so quickly it can kind of make you feel like you are establishing like a false level of intimacy because you don't really know them very well you're just learning parts of them and they're learning parts of you too and you can kind of trick yourself into knowing them really well and it's not to say that you won't have like a long lasting connection, but in the beginning, at least you, you don't, it's, it's merely attraction and interest, but it's not full intimacy. And while I really enjoyed my time getting to know Scott and that they're, they very much potentially could be somebody that I spend more time with in the future. I definitely suffered from emotional hangover every time that I spent with them. And and I honestly sometimes experience emotional hangover with multiple people that I'm meeting that I get excited about right away. And I, I think it can be a beautiful thing to meet someone and immediately hit it off. But the emotional hangover is something that I'm trying to nurture um, within myself because it's not very fun. And like what I mean by that is when you are meeting someone and you're, you know, opening up to them and getting along really well and you feel like you're connecting when you're with them. But then when you leave them, you feel anxious and off and you know, maybe they're not necessarily giving you that validation afterward to make you feel like your behavior was like, was it received well on their end? So, and I am very aware that this kind of, <laughs> this kind of feeling can be corrected with good communication, but when you're, you know, that's not always something that you can control. You can only control your own behavior. So, so that's what I'm focused on teaching <laughs> or talking about with you all today. It's going to go, what can you do when you're meeting new people to not only be authentic to yourself, but also, you know, protect yourself as well. We know we talked about that in the matches energy episode and, um, 
it's still it's still super relevant it's something that i'm completely working on and um it's also making me think it's so funny when i spent time with scott in particular we have a lot in common and every time i would be experiencing this emotional hangover i kept thinking about the 500 days of summer quote i hope and if you haven't seen that movie i highly highly recommend I keep thinking about the quote, just because someone likes the same bizarro crap you do doesn't make them your soulmate. <laughs> and it's such a funny quote. And it's so true because I think when people, you know, when I meet new people that I'm like getting along with really well, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Th this can't be, this can't be normal, you know. And this doesn't mean you can't be excited. It doesn't mean that I'm not excited. And it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, taking for granted the beautiful thing of meeting somebody that I have so much in common with. But I'm still getting to know Scott. And not only is it possible that they could be thinking a similar thing about me right now, it's just a good reminder to slow down a little bit. And with, with being single for a long period of time, I think it can be really easy to latch on to feelings that people give you right away and prematurely attach. So that's my little cautionary, <laughs> cautionary note, you know, have fun when you're, you know, starting to meet new people, but also take a step back and try to think like, okay, what is it about this person that you even like? Or are you just hyper fixating on your own behavior and wondering if they like you? Do you even like them? You know, just kind of like give yourself those reminders as you're, as you're meeting these new people and try to take your ego out of it. Okay, enough about me today. I am so excited to now introduce the first story of season two. This story is coming from Kara. And in the spirit of being authentic and embracing parts of us, she talks about something that she has struggled with for most of her life and has recently embraced. And I'm so excited for you to hear it. I grew up in the suburbs of Sacramento in an area that was fairly white, fairly conservative, you know, to the point where there are people who flew literal Confederate flags on their trucks at my high school. And with that being said, there's always something that made me feel just kind of a little bit different from everyone. And of course, it took me many years <laughs> to realize what exactly that was. But, you know, now that I'm older, I look back and realize that I was one of maybe three Jewish people that I knew of in my entire school of more than 2,000 people. And in particular, I have very curly hair that looked very different from everyone else at my high school. Everyone was blonde, straight hair, blue eyes, thin figure, whatnot. And I was not. I looked very Jewish, very curly hair, a little bit of a schnoz, you know, pretty <laughs> out there personality. In growing up, I was always really made fun of for my hair. I had people write in my yearbook that my hair looked like pubes, someone that I would called a friend. I had someone pull my hair tie out in the middle of lunch and say, release the kraken. Just like continuous you know, blatant bullying, honestly. And then there were also the more like 
the more subtle things like, mm, your hair looks better straightened. You're prettier with your straightened hair. I prefer you when your hair is straightened. And it took me so long for me to appreciate my hair being different being a good thing. It was actually not until I was literally 23 years old that I wore my hair natural for the first time in my entire life. And how it has affected me today is, you know, for the past two years now, I've been on what, you know, some people call the curly hair journey. I watch curly hair videos every single week, if not more so. I follow curly hair influencers. It's honestly become honestly like a passion of mine that I'm really into. I'm really into learning more about. I'm really into playing around with my hair with different styles, different products, um, different routines. And I've learned to actually really love my hair. And, you know, after 23 years of not being proud of it, I feel like I'm making up for it in that time. And, you know, my hair is now one of my favorite attributes of myself after being so frustrated with it for so long. Thank you so much to Kara for sending in that story and being so vulnerable with something that she had experienced throughout her life. And what what this story makes me think about is the realization as we get older of what opinions are actually our own and what is instilled in us from trauma that we experienced when we were younger. And I mean that very seriously. She could have totally enjoyed and loved her hair if she didn't have that experience of other people telling her there was something wrong with it. And it just makes me think about what are actually our own thoughts and what is the impact of others having on our having on us. So it's just it just mainly makes me think and I'm sure a lot of you can resonate with this story. I, I, I just feel like kids, <laughs> kids can be so cruel and the impact can totally stay with us. And I'm really glad that Kara's self-called hair journey was something that has led her to today and to be able to feel beautiful and to embrace herself and that you can't put a price on, on fully accepting who you are. And with that, that's a wrap on season two, episode one of To Say the Least. I am so glad you have decided to tune in today. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so excited for all that's to come in the rest of season two. If this story or if you have a story that has you know, resonated with you throughout your life that makes you stop and think, oh man, that in the moment wasn't that fun, but now I've learned all these lessons to say the least. Please send it in to me. It could either be a voice memo or it could be a written story that I can read on the podcast. Send it over to say the least podcast at gmail.com or you can slide into the DMs on Instagram and TikTok at to say the least podcast. And I can't wait for all that's to come in season two and take care in the meantime.